Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, everybody? Today, I have a very special guest on the Revenge Body Podcast, my first guest, in fact. If you follow me on Instagram, You've already seen her. She's pinned at the top of my profile, right in the middle. She's lost over 100 pounds and completely transformed her body at the age of 62, despite battling lupus and fibromyalgia. And she did it while eating all the carbs, all her favorite foods in our Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp Transformation Program. So many people have commented that her photos are fake, that it's two different people, that she got weight loss surgery. That's how ridiculous her body transformation is. Her name's Mandy Donald. And I'm so excited for you all to get to know the woman behind the boudoir photo shoot. So let's dive in. And I hope you enjoy this very special episode. All right, y'all. So I have with me here, the one and only, the woman, the myth, the legend, Miss Mandy Donald. Mandy, how are you doing? Um, all right. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a good day. I'm feeling great. So I'm sure you all can already tell, but Mandy is not from the U.S. She's from the U.K. Uh, I, I joke around a lot and I'm like, I wish Mandy could replace the Alexa in my house and and like be my alarm clock and just narrate my life. That would be super cool because her <laughs> accent's amazing. Well, awesome. So people have seen you, they've whether they know it or not, they have seen you on my profile on Instagram and, and I've posted you everywhere, TikTok, Facebook. I share you everywhere because you have such a monumental body transformation. So for those of you listening or watching, Mandy is on the very top of my Instagram profile, pinned right in the middle. She has the boudoir photo shoot. And it literally looks like two different people. And obviously, we get comments from people who are like, there's no way that's the same person. This is fake, which only speaks to how awesome the transformation is. But Mandy, I want people to get to know you. Your story needs to be out there. It needs to be heard. It's such a phenomenal story. So starting off, just tell us, you know, tell us about your background, how you grew up, you know, and and where you're from. And let's just start there. Okay. I was born in 1961 in Yorkshire, in a mining town. Um, Come from working class background. My dad wanted to better himself. So he actually, he actually went to grammar school. Uh, Not many people got into grammar school. You had to pass tests to get in. Married my mum very young. They they had a a little boy before me, but he died one month before I was born because kids died back in the sixties. So my mum was on tranquilizers for the last month of my pregnancy. And so I was born with tranquilizers already in my system. So I screamed and cried for the next 18 months of my life. And the only way my mum shut me up was she dipped my dummy in sugar. So from a very young age, I had sugar all the time. Anyway, so then my uh, little sister was born and my parents sort of moved up in life. They bought their own house. We had a nice semi-detached house in a little village. I had loads of friends. I played outside all the time. It was great fun. I, I got up to all sorts of scrapes. My dad wasn't the best dad. He was quite 
aggressive and he could be violent. And I did get belted quite a lot and smacked quite a lot because I was a bit defiant (laughs) as well, which didn't help. So I was probably pretty much like him. And, you know, I I was a good student. My reading age was higher than my compatriots at school. So I was bored at school. So the more I was bored at school, the more I got into mischief and got told off and what have you. But if they kept me busy, then I was all right. We moved from the north to the south of England and my dad had got a job in a college. He was going up in the world. My mum had just had another son, but they had a lot of trouble in their marriage. My dad was unfaithful all the time. He basically had anything in a skirt and my mum left him several times and went back to him. And um, in the end, I think um, she just about had enough. When I was about 12, she threw him out and that was that. And they were going for a divorce, but she made him wait for five years because my stepmother, who who, uh, wanted to get married, she couldn't marry him if my mum didn't give him a divorce. And this was kind of like my mum's revenge. So she stopped him from getting married and her married for uh, five years. And then on the anniversary of the five years, which just happened to be my dad's birthday, she filed in the court and got the decree. (laughs) So anyway, I got not stepmother number one, but my dad didn't change. He wasn't very much in my life. He didn't come and visit very often. He could forget or, or be tea or something like that. So I pretty much didn't have a father figure for a, quite a while. He only came down and did something if if my mum, I can't do anything with her. And then my dad would show up and shout at me and then I would just like ignore him because I didn't have a relationship with him basically because of my childhood. And I think a lot of the stress of my childhood has contributed to the fibromyalgia and the lupus because they are stress conditions. So I started with pain really young, actually, sort of like when I was quite a young child, would go shopping and I'd get terrible back pain. You shouldn't get back pain when you're a a young child, you know. At school, I was athletic. I did the 100 metres, I did long jump, I did the hurdles. Um, I was forever damaging my knees all the time. I was always being carried off the pitch in a fireman's carry by two of the football lads or whatever. Back into school, they used to know me by name at the accidents and emergency department. Oh, it's you again, you know, and it would be my knee and my knee would be puffed up like a big ball and what have you. Um, but I carried on. Um, I I got my examinations, passed them, most of them, all except one. I failed German because I had chickenpox at age 16 and I was floored completely. I was in bed for three weeks and couldn't move because my joints completely up. But this is pre And then 17... I went on holiday to France for three weeks by myself. had a great time. I had a pen friend over in, was it? God, we'd lost touch years and years ago, but it was in like on the Loire Valley. I stayed there. I had a French boyfriend. 
went to Paris with him. I, yeah, <laughs> very independent. I came back and then I met Adrian. So I was 17 and a half and I met Adrian. We've been together ever since. So we have been together since 1978. So a long time now. We got married in 1982 and bought our own flat. So, and I got a job in the civil service and, uh, and he was a, an apprentice engineer in a factory and he worked all the hours God sent. I worked extra hours at the weekend in a golf club to earn extra money. So we sort of like could furnish our flats and, you know, then, then the walls used to start coming in on you and then you think, yeah, it's time to move. So then we moved into a three bedroom house. It was great. It was really good. We had a lot of fun and we were on a holiday together. We went to France a lot, um, always in France because obviously we lived in the southeast. It was easy just to get the ferry over the channel, straight over, and we could go wherever we wanted. You know, it was it was fun. So my dad did sort of start us off upwardly mobile from being working class. He was member of the uh, local working man's club. And we used to go on trips to the coast. Uh, I, I remember one because my sister was ill with mumps, but I didn't catch it. So trip and she didn't. And we went to the seaside and there was a roller coaster and what made my dad go on it. Wooden, really the old fashioned rattly ones. And it was the kind of trip where you went on a huge coach where the men and the women had bottles of beer in the back of the coach and the kids all had pop at the front of the coach, you know? So it's, I have some good memories of childhood. I do have some good ones of playing. My friend, I had lots of friends. But obviously, when I was wrenched away from the north and taken to the south, I was then the odd person out because of my accent. My accent was a lot broader than it is now. So a very, very broad Yorkshire accent. So all the kids in the southeast used to make me say things so they could listen to the accent. <laughs> so I went out. So it was quite hard at times being, I was bullied, but um, I was good with my fists because I'd learned from my dad to fight back. So, yeah. So you, you got in literal fist fights? I did get in literal fist fights, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was chased home from, I think it was the first year of senior school, and they chased me home, but I was a good runner. Um, but they did get me in a, in a field, and um, this girl was determined, bound and determined to come and get me. And I hit her first and I, I knocked her out. I got her right on the chin and then legged it. <laughs> so I got home and I wasn't that far from home. So I just ran. And because I was the fastest runner in my life, yeah, I played netball as well. I was in a team, in the school team. I was in a private team. Kept on playing netball all the way until about 1989 umpire it as well so I was in demand for being an umpire in the Surrey League and I used to fix league and I played for where I work as well 
So I was, um, I had fingers in lots of pies <laughs> to keep myself busy. But I've always been a reader. You know, I kept that up from when I was a kid. I still read voraciously now. I cannot survive without reading. I love it. And you, you are one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And I have had the pleasure of meeting you in person, which was amazing. We'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I mean, you um, you have a background as a biomedical scientist, which is mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah, that's a new career. <laughs> that was a new career because when we moved up here, my husband was made redundant from his job. It was there was no chance of him getting an engineering job in the southeast because it was all gone to like um, pharmaceuticals and sort of like the service industry. There's no action at all. So lose your job or move. I was in the civil service. I'd got promotion by this time. I was in charge of about six people. And I had a like caseload of about 14,000 pensioners that used to pay pensions. And I said, well, I can get a job anywhere. So we, we moved to Derby. Um, he got a job down the road in Burton um, where they made the beer. And um, I got a job at the council. But then I, I was starting to get more and more ill at the council. And also in this period of time before we moved up here, I had lost two babies to lupus because the lupus had uh, clotted my blood and blocked off the placenta and the babies both died in utero. And I had a really, really tough time with that. That was very stressful. And at times I didn't want to be here at all. We had, I don't know if you've got anything like this in America, but we've got something called Samaritans where you can ring up and sort of ask for help, mental health help. Um, if you're desperate, there was a time when I really considered driving my car into the nearest wall. But I got through that and we, we came up a new start in life. Couldn't get pregnant again for love and money. Lots of things. We had treatment in Birmingham, a special women's hospital, and that didn't work. And we gave up and we said, we'll go for adoption. Okay, so because I still wanted a family and there was one baby available in Derbyshire. So we went for it and I had police checks done, probation checks done, personal references done, um, home first home visit done, the social worker. And then I was at work and I realised that my cycle hadn't come. And I thought, well, it's probably just going to be like all the others because it used to be, it used to go for weeks. Then I, I think I'm pregnant and oh, it wasn't. And then I'd go out and spend money that I didn't have on trying to make myself feel better. So I got into debt as well. And I found out I was pregnant. And I like, I agree. Because I've been trying for five years and I was like, <gasps> So I had to rush to the, to the bathroom and somebody said, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Tears running down my face. I'm so happy, I'm so happy. And I was like, and the, but I had the most traumatic pregnancy ever. <laughs> I was forever down the, um, the hospital getting the heartbeat checked and everything because I was always worried that the, heart, that the baby was going to die all the way through because I got to 28 weeks with the first one. 
So it wasn't a case of getting to 13 and thinking, yeah, you're home and dry. It was like all the way through. And I had to go into hospital in the end to have bed rest. I had extra care because I'd been diagnosed with lupus after I lost the second baby. So I had treatment. So I was on steroids. So they made me balloon up. I had big moon face, big moon backside, um, puffy. You know, it was, uh, steroids are a wonder drug, but um, they make you feel good. But they annihilate your weight completely. But I ended up with Emily. And then two years later, I had Antonia. Both I had special care for, for all of them. So, and I'm under a really, really good rheumatologist now. Really, really good. So, and in between, I was diagnosed with fibro as well. It's like, <laughs> I, thought, I don't want anything else wrong. <laughs> this is enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've known you for, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I've got sticky blood as well. I've got antiphospholipid syndrome, which is another autoimmune thing, but it just makes your blood sticky. So there is a possibility of future blood clots. And that's the huge worry for me because of my mum's history. Her mum's history died of stroke with clots. That's my worry that I am going to go that way because I do not want to end up like my mum did. You know, so yeah, and that's that's been a, a motivator for you, I would say, to get healthy and to to lose the weight and and everything. And yeah. I, I always tell people, if anybody wasn't supposed to succeed with a weight loss journey, it's you. Like you have so much pitted against you, and you have so many challenges. So, and and I just learned so much about you. I didn't. I've known you for two and a half years. I didn't know a lot of that about your childhood. I appreciate you sharing that. That's that's some some heavy stuff that obviously, you know, played into your journey as well. So just, you know, my hat is always off to you for persevering. Like you are just, your perseverance personified. You know, you just continue to to dominate life. It's just so inspirational um, to me and so many people, but I appreciate you sharing that. So specifically, how would you say lupus and fibromyalgia make weight loss and, and getting healthier more difficult? Like Day to day, how do those struggles make it more challenging for you? It's mobility and muscle fatigue, really, really debilitating fatigue. When you're really bad and having a flare, you cannot get out of bed. There was times where I couldn't get undressed. There was times where I couldn't get upstairs. I had to have Adrian push me from behind, just to give me the momentum to keep moving forward. There were times when I crawled up the stairs. He used to help me undress. And in the morning, I would have to, it would take me a long time to actually get moving because I'd seize up in bed because you get stiff overnight. My ankles would be completely, completely stiff because my Achilles tendons were so, so tight that I couldn't move. And I had um, chronic tendonitis in both ankles. I did have them both injected by a rheumatologist. And I found out later that is such a huge no-no to have your tendons um, injected with um, steroid because they can rupture. So I was lucky that they didn't rupture at the time. 
time. They do not do that anymore for um, tendons. But I would struggle to get out of bed. Then I would walk to the bathroom. Then I would be under the shower because I couldn't get in and out of the bath. I couldn't actually physically, I could get in, but I couldn't get back out again without help. So it was, it's mobility, complete mobility, struggling to walk. As, a, as you know, I ended up with this, um, I was contemplating getting a mobility scooter. Um, I was looking at them. I'd actually loaned one for to watch Emily in her reenactment. I nearly killed somebody with it. <laughs> It was ridiculous, the uh, mobility scooter. Um, uh, <coughs> and um, so I was I was definitely looking into having mobility aids and I did have my crutches. Uh, if I had to go anywhere in the hospital, because I was still working at this, at this point, I used to have to try and find people to do errands for me. If I needed something posting, or sending out of the department, I used to have to find somebody to go and do it for me. So I'd find somebody who was lower than me, a, a lab assistant, and ask them to do this trip for me so I didn't have to walk around all the long corridors. The cold used to get me as well. I've got Raynaud's in my hands, so they go numb and cold and white and, you know, I just can't move them. So I couldn't get cold either. And I was working in a cryostat, putting sections where my hands were continuously in a freezer. So it, um, it got too difficult for me to carry on with my work as a biomedical scientist. And it was awful because I worked so hard to get there. I didn't start that journey until I was 40. I went to university at 40 to do the degree. And then I did the master's a little bit later whilst I was working. And I worked really hard to get where I was and I didn't want to give it up at all. But I was off for about five months off sick because I was in such a bad flare, couldn't move. I certainly couldn't do my job. And, and it gave me a lot of anxiety as well that I couldn't do my job. I was worried about what people thought about me being off sick for five months because I know what it's like in, in the health sector that if somebody is off, nobody's there to cover your job. Somebody else has to do it. And it's just absorbed through everybody else in the department. So it puts more work on everybody else. Therefore, you think that you're being talked about behind your back because it's probably all in your head, but it's a worry. But, you know, and I thought, well, I couldn't carry on any longer. They gave me a different job that I was easy, easy to do. I could do it, no problem. But I had less and less energy. And I was eating more and more and more because I was using the food to get a quick burst of energy, like biscuits, sugar, sweets, just to give me a quick boost of sugar. Because obviously, sugar to me was my go to because of when I had my dummy dipped in sugar when I was a baby. I lived on sweets my entire I don't know how I'm not diabetic. I really don't know how I'm not diabetic type two because I love sugar and I could eat tons of sugar. My husband can't eat any sugar. And yet he's 
he's never been brought up like I was with, you know, the amount of sweets and what have you. That my treat was sweets. I got pocket money. I spent it on sweets or a book or both. So, yeah, I saw a spot, I piled on the way three stone with like Slimming World, which is kind of like, wait, what? Three uh, stones is how much in pounds? That's um, three lots of 14 pounds, 42 pounds. Okay. And then what was like, if, 42 if pounds. If you're like comfortable, what what was like the max weight that you got up to? I got up to uh, uh, <laughs> let me that's get calculator out for that because you that's, gotta calculate um, it. <laughs> yeah, can't work it out. <laughs> I've wheels working stone, so it's it's kind of um, it's difficult to work it when you don't work in just pounds. Two hundred fifty four pounds, nearly two hundred fifty five pounds. I was. So, and I was a lot to carry five foot two. So I was short and I was very, it was all on my stomach. So it was very heavy. My posture was bad because I was always sort of being pulled down, um, very round shoulders. I just couldn't carry the weight. Just couldn't carry it. And my legs couldn't carry it either. My knees couldn't cope with it and my ankles couldn't cope with it. So, you got some stop. some strong legs now. I've seen them in action at the gym. Yeah, you, know, you, you got some some super strong legs. It's, that, I, that was one of the things that blew my mind. You know, seeing you in person was, good lord, man, he's got some hamstrings. That's crazy, like, better than mine. Um, so it's just like hearing this story, hearing like where you used to be and seeing where you are now. It's just like it really. It, I mean, when people comment on social media, like it looks like two different people. It kind of it, like it. It really is. It's like it's so hard to believe that. Person. Yeah, like it's so hard to believe that. Like you were at that point, and then where you are now is just like if if I didn't know all that about you, and I just saw you how you are now, I was like, this woman's been working out her whole life. She's been in shape her whole life. That's what I would think just seeing you now. So that makes it even more like ridiculous that you had that kind of you know childhood I mean, I was, struggles yeah i did i was an athlete i did run but only short distances i couldn't do i didn't have any stamina for long distances 100 meters was my max that was it i couldn't i could not jog down the block or do 400 meters i would do anything to get up um i forged six notes to get me out of cross country <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'd probably go truant as well. Um, yeah, anything to get out of doing the compulsory um, things that we had to do in PE. Yeah, cross-country was not my jam at all. And anything like 200 metres up, was like, forget it. And I would just, like, walk around. <laughs> same. Yeah, same. I've never been a, a distance runner either. <laughs> After I got in the military, I was like, I used no to more running. Everywhere when I was no dad no car so and my mum couldn't so I did strong thigh muscles from cycling I used to go horse riding as well yeah <laughs> so I've always had strong legs but it's the tendons in between the, the bad bits gotcha and the joints that makes the sense <laughs> so you know now that we've got kind of some of the background I'm sure there's so much more Kind of, if you don't mind, like, like walk me through how we came into contact and how we met. You know, a lot of people, they, this is before 
you know, because we know each other for about two and a half, almost three years now. And this is before the emotional support Viking and, and the revenge body. This is back when I was yeah. doing one coaching myself. And so kind of like talk about how, how we came into contact and met. Right. So I like reading smut. Okay. So for those of you who don't know what smut is, it's 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 steamy romance novels. This is actually, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is so funny. <laughs> we came in the contact. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So all the all the uh, books, ebooks, any books, I've got a cover model on them. So I started following Golden Cermak, the photographer, who happened to have photographed your story. So you. So and then you you made a comment about something and I commented on childhood bullying because after that. And then you contact contact me if I would like to do the quarantine quarantine thing. Out of the blue, I like, yeah, yeah, okay, because I was already retired, uh, sitting at home. Um, any little bit of exertion would make me like my heart would pound and I'd be out of breath and anything. This has got to be something to start me off getting better. And that was a free challenge so that's during, how during COVID, met. right? That was the free challenge. So, yes. So first, first week in April. Yeah. So this is, this is hilarious. So the, the way we came into contact was I used to, I did a one, I did a photo shoot and the yeah. photos from that photo shoot made it on some romance novel covers. Mandy yeah. reads romance novels. She saw me yeah. on one of those wonderful covers and uh, we came into contact and I was doing a free challenge during COVID yeah. and, mm-hmm. and uh, for people that want, want to get in shape from home and stuff like that. And then you ended up, you won that challenge, right? No, no. Tammy won it. Tammy won Tammy, it. Tammy won it. And I, I, and I didn't, and I couldn't afford to, because I was, um, and my husband was on um, where they put you on on like hey um and he had to stay at home we lost like <laughs> lost half our income <laughs> overnight so I, I couldn't do it but i followed the tenants of what you set out in that week and then i i sort of posted a few months later that i'd lost 50 pounds following what you, you told me and then you invited me to join in with the Zoom calls, which I did. And then, then it went from there. And then you sort of persuaded me to uh, join as a client. And I did. Um, my husband's back at work. Our income had gone back up again. And I'm like, I'm fine. No problem. I can sort this. And I did. And I just kept going from strength to strength. And I worked out from home using bands because I was still shut. Um, I did buy some dumbbells um, and started doing that as well at home. But yeah, that's that's the um, chronological events. The origin story. Into, into MOC. <laughs> yeah. So you lost 50 pounds just from doing some of the things that I talked about in that week-long free challenge. So I know there's a lot of people in that position who are just like, how do I, where do I start? How do I lose these first 50 pounds? 
And you said that you use bands to work out from home. What were a couple other things you did that helped you just get started with those first 50? Um, having the calories set and eating more protein. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't know about the thermic effect of protein and you know how it boosts your metabolism. I didn't know any of that. Even scientists, that's not something that I learned. So, yeah, that was that's basically. I just kept really strictly to recount, um, moved more, and walked more. Even though I started with like five minutes, I'd walk down the road with a stopwatch, <laughs> make to five minutes, and then five minutes back. So that was my ten-minute walk as I dragged my husband with me. Um, during the daytime, I went on my own, but in the evening when it was dark, I, I dragged him with me. <laughs> That's amazing. So just some simple resistance band workouts from home to get started, moving yeah. more. You set a timer, did 10 minute walks, you increased yeah. your protein intake and you mm-hmm. kind of stayed within a caloric range that, that you had calculated based on what we had talked about in that free challenge. So yeah. Um, I really want people to hear that because that's simple, it's doable, and you just were consistent with those things and dropped 50 pounds. That's that's amazing. Um, and now you're over you're down over a hundred pounds. And and so, and we've actually kind of reversed and now we're going in towards, you know, building more muscle tissue and going the opposite direction. So throughout this 100 pound journey, what are some things that you did consistently? throughout that time? Like if you could say like maybe three to five things that you did no matter what to drop 100 pounds, what were those things? I kept to my calorie goal. I nailed the protein every day and I walked three times a day, every day, rain, snow, hail, I walked. If it was horizontal rain and it was too windy for an umbrella, I walked in the house. I walked from the kitchen to the living room, living room back to the kitchen, walked around the kitchen in circles, then back to the living room and, and do that for 10 minutes, just, just to walk for 10 minutes. So I would do that no matter what. Yeah. And I worked out three times a week. Now, had you lifted weights prior to this journey? Never. Never in your life had touched weights? No. The only weights I'd ever lifted were at work because we had five-gallon drums of um, alcohols or chemicals. Um, And the heaviest thing I lifted was a 25-kilogram barrel of xylene or something like that. That was was it. (laughs) So... I know there's a lot of women who are intimidated by the gym and, you know, at, at 60 plus years old, it's, it's gotta be even more intimidating. How did you overcome that? Like going into the gym and starting to, you know, go in the testosterone zone with the men and, and, and lifting the weights. Like, how did you get around that? And cause, cause I've seen you in person lift weights. And again, you would think that you've been lifting your entire life with how confident you are in the gym now, but how did you, you know, traverse that? When I first started, I was looking, my gym has got a ladies only section. Okay. So I started in there. And if I made a fool of myself, it was only me and a couple of other girls in there. And that was fine. No problem. So I learned on the job 
sort of thing. But then I ran out of weights because they only went up to 10 kilograms in the ladies' part. So I thought, well, I've got to go into the other area, the other exercises like um, the leg lift and things like that. They were in with the aerobic bicycle area. So I had to go in there to do it. So I would take my dumbbells with me if it was a sort of like a series of exercises and then back and what have you. Um, so eventually that led to me having to go upstairs into the testosterone because I ran a few weights because I always pushed myself heavier or longer, more reps each time I went. So if I couldn't lift the weight, it was more reps. And then I carried on with more reps until I thought, well, this, I must be able to lift more weight now, then would go up the next weight. But they're always in kilograms. In, so you don't go up one or two pounds, like two pounds. So it's like one key, kilogram weight, two Ks, three K, four. He's only went up to 10. So then, but well, Upstairs, they started at five, seven and a half, 10, 12, 12 and a half, and then they go up to 14, 16, 18, 20. So I had to go into testosterone to start doing that. Plus, my exercises on MOs, on Trainerize, started using machines as well, and the machines were in the testosterone. <laughs> there were some of them in the ladies, but they weren't as good as the ones in the man. I think they gave the old rubbish machinery that the men had worn out into the ladies bit because it wasn't as good. They have since updated it and got better equipment. But um, when I first went in there, the equipment was was old, tatty, battered, and not as good as what was actually in the men's zone. So I just went up there and just thought, right, that's it. I'm going to walk in like i been there all my life. <laughs> Fake it so you can make it. That's it. That's all I did. I just went in and and just sort of made out that I'd always along there. That's how I did it. And now I speak to a lot of the blokes in the in the in the you know in the area. A couple of guys couldn't real didn't realize how old I was and that because I I said to them, oh, "Can I just borrow this little weight?" And he says, "Are you sure you want that little weight?" No. Yes, I want the little weight. And he said, but you lift really, really heavy. And I said, yeah, but I only want to add a little bit to the weight I'm already lifting, just to up my um, PB. And and then uh, it turned into a conversation about how old I was. Neither of them realized that I was in my 60s. They thought I was in my 30s. I believe it. I mean, <laughs> believe me. It, you, uh, and that's, that's amazing. Different. Yeah. I, uh, and another chap I talked to, and another girl that I talked to, and you know, talk to any of them. And I can, I find that I can ask any of them in there now for advice on how to use. Worry that I look silly. Um, in fact, the other day I I went in and there was a hat squat never used before, and I didn't know how to adjust it. So I asked this guy, and he came over and he did it for me, and it was great, and he was lovely. So I think you just 
just have to go for it, you know? Yeah, I love that. I have a laugh at the gym. I have a laugh at the gym. The how do you, uh, I mean, how else are you going to learn? You know, I think people are so afraid to ask for advice or ask for help and the fear of looking silly. Like you said, it's like, what are these other people going to think? And I can speak from the XY chromosome perspective that we don't care. We don't like, we don't, men don't care how women look performing an exercise. We're not, we're judging ourselves. We're judging other men. And so I think, like you said, just fake it till you make it go in there with the mentality that I'm just going to do this for myself, no matter what, no matter what happens, I'm going to come out better than I went in and attempt it. And, you know, you have to do it wrong to get it right. And then don't be afraid to ask people for help. I think that's a big one. You know, you've made a lot of friends in the gym now as a result. And then one other thing I want to key in on is how you've continuously challenged yourself. Whether, I mean, you know, obviously I can see, I can still see your, your stuff on Trainer Eyes, the app that we use, and you constantly get personal best when you said PB earlier, personal best. And, and that's just yeah. doing something new that you haven't done previously, whether it's more reps with the same weight, a new weight that you're using, a heavier weight. And you've constantly, that's one thing that has, I think, really set you apart is you've consistently challenged yourself more and more in the gym in some way. And that's really helped your body continue to progress because there's some, there comes a point, as you know, that resistance bands won't cut it anymore and you have to have yeah. some more resistance. So you got to get those. I started putting the bands together. I started putting the bands together and in the end I had four going together. And by the end of the, <laughs> I started off with a little weedy yellow one, then the, then the red, then the blue, then up to green. And then there was a black one. And then in the end, I just put them all together and just did it all. That's at the awesome. same time. So. <laughs> That's awesome. You just like kept combining them. Yeah. So you've, you know, you've been a client in the program. Now you're a, a phenomenal coach in our program and you've helped hundreds of women, you know, accomplish similar to what you have. You've helped so many women transform their own bodies. Now you've turned around and have given that gift back, which is one of the coolest parts about our program, I believe, um, is is that the fact that you went through mm-hmm. it, believe in it, and now you have the knowledge and the ability to turn around and now give that gift of empowerment to other women with their fitness. So now shifting gears in your experience as a coach working with other women, what are some things, you know, one or two things, what are the two main things that you see women overthinking when it comes to weight loss? Water, how much water they should mm-hmm. drink, supplements. So many people take extra supplements that they don't need, you know, um, and, and think that this is going to be the magic bullet that that supplement will help you burn fat. And I hate all the influencers say, take this and you'll drop this and take that and, you know, your belly will disappear. And it's like, it's all crap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, wish we could just ban those because it, you know, and I've taken sort of going on at the moment. Some company is trying to get around the um, laws in this country for that Ozempic drug. Mm-hmm. So instead of going um, actually through the NAP, all the permissions place you, they're doing it by order. Uh, from outside the country, anywhere on it, does it say anything, the um, side effects? So I've been poking my <laughs> on their things, saying, don't do it, people, it'll kill you, don't do it, it'll give you this, it'll do that to you, your metabolism will tank, you know, sort of like you'll end up worse off than you were before. 
the side effects aren't worth it. And I just leave it on their sites all the time and just leave it at that. And then I get a lot of agreement from other people. And it just needs yeah. one person to sort of say something um, for other people to join in with you, to agree with you, you know, not to don't do it, people. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot. Semaglutide and Ozempic, the two that are being marketed here in the yeah. U.S. And people are asking me about them. And there's anti-aging clinics just prescribing them like hotcakes. And people don't understand the ramifications of what taking these drugs will do. Namely, pancreatic cancer risk. Like that's yeah. number one. You have that huge yeah. risk of pancreatic cancer. There's no coming back from that. I've seen that when I was at work. It's a brutal killer. Uh, last Probably, I mean, I know Patrick Swayze lasted about five years, but he was an anomaly. You've got three months. You get pancreatic cancer, three months left. Wow. I, that's, didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. End of story. I didn't know that's what got the Swayze yeah, data either. It's a horrible disease. You cannot tell you've got it until it's too late. Um, they can try. Um, surgical interventions, you end up losing half full bowel, most of your stomach, your pancreas. It's called procedure and it is brutal, mm. brutal. If you survive that, you might have about three months after that because it just spreads like that. It's if, horrible. If more people knew this, I doubt they would touch those drugs. And you have that coupled with the fact that like anybody that stops taking them regains all the weight back. And so yeah. it's it's a way for, in my opinion, a pharmaceutical company to keep you dependent on on a drug that you 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 have that fear that if you stop it, you'll regain the weight. And there's also they do say this on the disclaimer, just like only works with a nutrition and and exercise routine. So it's like if that's the case, why not just why don't you do the nutrition and the exercise? Yeah, yeah. you won't need it. You know. People don't believe in their own um, self-determination of refusing to eat more than what they should. They think, oh, I need something to stop me craving. I need something to stop me doing this, stop me doing that. But you get out to say, no, I get to eat this. I get to eat that. Not, I want to stop eating something. It's like, eat it, but just don't eat it as much. Right. And and that's one thing I always stress with your transformation for sure is that people always assume, judging by the visual difference, that you did something extreme to accomplish that. Like you cut out carbs, cut out sugar, cut out this or that. It's like, no, you don't want to do that. You want to keep those things in, but just learn the yeah. proper amounts. And yeah, all all through shutdown, my husband made bread, homemade bread. I made homemade Victoria sponge cakes. And we ate all of it, but in very, very small portions, very small portions. But we still, all the way through, all the way through lockdown, we, we baked. I lost that in lockdown. So I still ate foods that I love. Yeah. And I always, I stress that. So I always make a point to say that, but she's still eating food she loves. She's still eating carbs. She's still doing this. So it's, I I really want people to hear that. You don't have to, nor should you cut out those things um, for so many reasons. If you could, actually, first, I want to tell this story. I meant to tell this story earlier of of when I met you on the retreat. So, because we brought up coaching and then we got off on a tangent, but 
So when I met Mandy in person, this was last January, a year ago, um, we, we did a coaching retreat in Orlando. Mandy flew over from the UK and, and we're about to do another one in Phoenix, which is super exciting, but I'll never forget this about Mandy. So one day we went to the beach. It was middle of January. So even in Florida, even in central Florida, it was, it was super cold and nobody was in the water at all. But I being the, it was warm for you. Yeah. Which I soon found out the, the water was freezing cold to everyone else here. And so I went in like ankle deep and I was immediately like, no, I'm not going in any further. This is, this is the most freezing water ever. So I started walking the other direction. And then here you come, walked right past me towards the water, no hesitation, walked right in, didn't even break stride and got fully just head deep in the water and just started frolicking in the water in that freezing cold water. And I'm just looking at you like, wow, like I'm, I'm a wuss. What am I doing? I got to, now I got to get in the water. I can't just let Mandy be the only one in the water. So then we, I got in the water too. And we were out there just the freezing cold water, just having a blast when I, but when, before I walked out there and this always makes me kind of emotional. So before I walked out there, I saw you out there and, you know, this was, you know, you've transformed your body and, and, and you're living your best life out there in the water. And I was just looking at you and thinking, this is what I want all women to experience in this program is being able to go out there in your bathing suit, 62 years old, overcome all the challenges you've overcome and just be frolicking in the water, just freedom. It was just like the picture of an empowered, free woman, just living her best life in the ocean and without a care in the world. Like that for me, it was like, this is what I want for all women everywhere to experience. I want them to be out of this dieting hamster wheel, out of this insane, you know, restrictive dieting roller coaster that people are on and feeling terrible about their body and, and, and hating what they see in the mirror. I want them to be like Mandy. Like it's like this Mandy is what Maverick online coaching is. It's like, this is what we want. And I just, I got so emotional because I was like, this is what I want for all of them. This is amazing. And I'm just so proud of you. Like I'm just, I'm just so because for how amazing you are, you know, at that the way I got to know you prior in person, just you lived up to that. You lived up to that so much. Like it was just amazing getting to meet you in person and, and talking to you. And the other, the other story I have is when we went to the gym and this is hilarious. So I, I had never seen you actually work out in person. And I think we were all just kind of amazed at how you, how, like how intensely you worked out, you know, you, you train hard and, and harder than most, most men, if not all of them that were in the gym that day. And, and so much so that, you know, it's funny when you talk about uh, being intimidated in the gym and, and at first and going in there, because what I saw you do was literally steal a machine from a guy who was taking too long on the <laughs> machines. You're like, hey, you using this? Okay, well, I'm using it now, buddy, because he was taking so long. So like that made me laugh so hard when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, you kill it in the gym. I mean, you you go, you don't waste time. You go in there, you go exactly where you need to go. You do the exercises, you train hard, you go to the next thing, the next thing. And that for me was really awesome to see. I was like, this is why, this is why she's progressed so much. You know, there's really no secret. There's no secret sauce. There's no special thing. She just works her ass off and she's consistent with the things that produce results. So my hat's off to you because that was just amazing to see. Mandy, if you could go back to where you were, you know, prior to 
losing this weight and being where you are now and everything and everything you over, you've overcome and accomplished. What's some, what's, what's two things you would tell your, your past self? Get a coach. Definitely get a coach. Although the, like the slimming world and the sort of um, weight watchers, you have a coach that you see like for like maybe 10 minutes privately when you weigh in. You do not get that connection. You do not get any of the um, advice that we give out. So getting a coach that can guide you in the right way to do things is key. Because I would have just, if you had to contact me on that quarantine for quarantine, I would have gone back to the world again and lost weight and then piled it back on again afterwards because it didn't teach the eat, teach you which foods were the best ones to have at all. Everything was either sins or free. So you could still overeat on the free foods. It's a load of rubbish. <laughs> so, I mean, I did have a friend who's in the slimming world and she lost loads of weight and then she piled it all back on again. And you know, that, that's all we knew. It was either that or I did a thousand calorie a day diet and nearly died. I mean, that was just awful. Um, but I, I've done all sorts of things over the years because my mum sort of like said, you lose weight. But I was an athletic girl. So I, I don't think, you know, it's the mindset. I think the mindset is, it's not the weight. It's how you feel in your body, your clothes. So, I mean, I had lovely clothes when I was a big girl, but I didn't feel comfortable in them. But now I do. I mean, this is too big. <laughs> this dress is too big. Well, I love it because it's nice and bright. Um, but I had fantastic I've given them all away. I've given all those big clothes away. And I'm thinking, yeah. I needed a coach. I needed somebody to guide me in the right direction. And that's what I got from you. Forever be grateful that I like smut. <laughs> I'm grateful you like it too. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. That's, that's, a, that's like a, a thing that I, I had no idea about. Like I had no idea how many women read the, those novels and, and now like our whole coaching team reads them. And it's, it's funny it's so funny and we you know there's been a lot of clients come through the program that found me that way as well they saw me on the cover of a, a romance novel and one thing yeah. another and then here they are you know so that's so funny beautiful yeah gosh I'm, I, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and talking about your life and and talking about just you know especially how vulnerable you got with your childhood and everything I think that a lot of women can relate with what you've overcome and the struggles you've had and, you know, the, the challenges you've persevered through. Um, so thank you, Manny. I, I really appreciate you coming on today. I, I just can't say enough good about you as a person. I can't say enough. I mean, you're just an absolute pleasure to know. I mean, and have been since, since day one, um, you're just a phenomenal human being and you've, you've definitely had a profound effect on my life and the lives of many others and all the women that you, that you coach now. You know, I, every time you you uh, we get a new client and they end up with you as their coach, I'm like, you have no idea how lucky you are. <laughs> you have no idea 
how lucky you are to have Mandy Donald as your coach. So it's really lovely to get messages when you first say hello and they say, Oh, I'm so pleased I've got you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, they've seen you. They've they've seen the the boudoir photo shoot, which by the way, how awesome is that? I mean, obviously that, that like- was so empowering. That day was absolutely amazing. I loved it. And when I saw the photos, I cried because they were so great. Yeah. I mean, so great. Gosh, what, what an awesome thing. I mean, it started out as a gift for for Adrian, which I'm sure he greatly mm-hmm. appreciates. Um, but just just what a symbol of of who you are now and 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 just how powerful of a of a woman you are. Like just so, so cool to see. And I love that your before after is just, you know, you at the the worst, at the worst point. And then now it's bam, boudoir photo shoot. And it's like, how the hell does she go from that? To, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of comments, especially on Facebook from people who were just like, there's no way that's real. There's no way. It's like, gosh, if you only knew. So hopefully this podcast will help them, you know, help them know it's possible that, you know, if, if you, I've always tell people if Mandy can do it, you can do it because she had so anything many is challenges. possible. Anything is possible. Definitely. Yeah. Anything. You're proof of that. So. Mandy, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you so much. And and I know a lot of people will be inspired from your message and your story. So thank you. I appreciate you. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day and hope you all enjoyed this episode with Mandy Donald. I'll have more like this from a couple other coaches on my team. Definitely wanted to start off my my guest uh, roster with the one and only Mandy. So Mandy, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you soon. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.